And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. Now, listen, all y'all, it's a sabotage. I think that's one of the famous lines from my youth and the Beastie Boys. It's also a great way to explain what many of us are doing when it comes to our own success. So what are we going to do about it, people? What are we going to do to end the self-sabotage? As it turns out, I've got someone here to discuss that with me today. Now... Before we get too far into it, I do want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a development team quickly and affordably. As mentioned, I do have a partner in crime today. His, ne- his name is Gene Monterestelli, and yes, I did have to practice that before we started. <laughs> Gene is the editor and CEO of Tapping Q&A. He's an expert on stopping self-sabotage. He does a lot of really interesting stuff. Let's just go ahead and say, Gene, welcome to Startup Hustle. Thank you very much. I'm really looking forward to the conversation today. Yeah, I'm looking forward to what we're going to get into. And why don't we go ahead and start with a little bit about your own backstory? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for me, the way I way the way I found my way to dealing with self sabotage, the entry point was actually through my own social anxiety. Um, in my twenties and early thirties, um, my full time living, um, I made as a performer. Um, I worked with a buddy of mine. We combined juggling, sketch comedy, drama, storytelling. We traveled all over the U.S. and Canada, working with high school and middle school kids. And I could stand on stage in front of twelve thousand people. And it was as easy as breathing. And when I got back to Baltimore, where I lived at the time, I'd get on the shuttle bus at the airport. And the way the shuttle bus worked was you had to tell the driver to stop. And because of my social anxiety, I could not do that. And I would literally ride the shuttle bus until someone else in the bus said stop. And I would get off with my luggage. If it was close to my car, if it was levels away, it didn't matter. That's how I got off. Um, I couldn't answer my own phone. I couldn't ask for help in a store. And fear like that is something that grows over time. Um, I'm afraid something's going to go wrong. It doesn't go as planned because I notice all the things that don't go wrong. So I get this little micro dose of proof that that thing was dangerous. And so my social anxiety started in my teens, but it slowly grew through my, my 20s. And by the time I was in my 30s, I was in a circumstance where I was starting to make decisions where I was compensating in such a way that I was hurting other people. So I promised to help someone and then I wouldn't make a phone call. And then I would lie to them about whether or not I'd done that phone call to help them out. And so kind of my rock bottom moment in dealing with my own actions and terms of this was when I started helping other people out. And I found my way to this really interesting provocative tool called tapping. It's just like 
acupuncture, but instead of sticking needles into the body, you're tapping on those points on the body. And we can now see, um, we can scientifically prove when using those points, cortisol levels drop inside of the body. And so I just started this investigation into why we aren't taking the actions that we know are best for us. And so initially it was just trying to deal with my own fear. And once I got past that and I started working with clients around that, I started creating just kind of this whole framework of understanding, okay, sabotage shows up because it's trying to keep us safe, but it's trying to keep us safe from something that isn't actually dangerous. And so we need to be able to tease out what is the reason why, like what is the subconscious belief that is there? And then once we identify it, how do we transform it into a belief that is useful? Uh, that's interesting. So now to recap. So at one point, you're you're terrified of the social interaction internally. Yeah. Is that correct? And, to the point it, that it, it to the point that it was crippling your ability to have what we can just define as as normal relationships or transactional conversations. Like it was that bad. Absolutely. And, and and what was interesting was once I was in a conversation, I was fine. It turned out the thing that was really scary was entry, like once I was able to unpack what it was. But yeah, I mean, like I would be in a store and I'd be holding a pair of pants that were the wrong size. And instead of asking someone in the store if they had the right size for me, I literally would just put it down and walk out the door because the thought of asking, like I would see in my head going over and asking for help, the person in the store screaming at me because I was so dumb because I couldn't figure it out. And so it really really was the simple everyday things it was getting in the way of. So, and then, and, and once, so I'm not a psychologist. I, yeah. I have no license to practice medicine. Um, I went to five colleges and now I'm a junior. So I'm not gonna, uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I'm not yep. a, a medical practitioner, but um, from the outside looking in, that's some deep rooted, uh, uh, just, you know, well, basically lack of self-confidence on many levels. And it's something that's hard to overcome. And, you know, I, I, first off, I want to commend you for getting past that and turning a weakness into a strength. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, I think that, so as someone, I, those that know me or have followed the podcast are aware that I, I'm not short on words to say. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that, you know, now, uh, and, and I, and, and I love you, Jill, but I'm going to throw you under the bus here. So my wife is the opposite and she's introverted and doesn't like public speaking. So I mm -hmm. have got to see that, see, that doesn't make sense to me. That's not something like that actually gets me going mm -hmm. and energizes me rather than causes me to clam up. So I have a difficult time truly empathizing with that on many levels. Now that said, more people are afraid of public speaking than they are of dying. Right. And, and here we are on startup hustle. If you're, if you have an inability to communicate about what you do, how you do it, what your needs are, and this is to externally and internally to your team, that's a massive problem. I mm -hmm. mean, big time, big time. And that is something that you currently work with entrepreneurs to help them fix. Is that correct? Yeah. And, and it's, and it, it can be sabotaging behaviors around anything that we're not doing. Some of us it's speaking, some of us it's posting stuff to social media. Some of it's creating new products. Sometimes it's reaching out and making an offer that basically what is happening when we're sabotaging ourselves in this way is we have a fear 
that is disproportionate or misinformed, and therefore we're just trying to keep ourselves safe. Every single time you sabotage yourself, there is a part of you that so desperately wants you to be healthy, it is willing to undermine the thing that intellectually you understand you need to be doing in order to be successful. And so it's it's kind of like having an employee that is super, super gung-ho to work for you and is completely maladapted in the way that it's doing the job that you've asked it to do. And so when something is sitting on your to-do list and you push it from day to day to day to day to day, and you know it's something that's valuable for you, it's this brilliant piece of internal work that's trying to keep you safe from something that probably isn't as dangerous as it thinks it is. So we all self-sabotage in some levels. Um, yep. I think, uh, you know, it's not necessarily always socially. Uh, for those of you that have read my book, Balance Me, you know that on page one, I literally say, if you're not willing to admit that you're likely your biggest problem, just put mm -hmm. the book back because I probably can't help you. Um, it doesn't matter how successful you are, how sophisticated you are socially, or education, any of that, we all have things that block us from getting in the way of what we want to do. It is the first step admitting that when it comes to overcoming self-sabotage to say, hey, look, I need to own this problem. And it's almost like AA when you have to, you have to I'm an alcoholic, you know, mm -hmm. I have a problem. They say the first step is admitting it. And with your approach to fixing or addressing this, is that step one or is it something different? So, you know, I haven't thought about it exactly through that lens, um, because what, what it really comes down to is recognizing internally how a part, like the, the problem is certainly coming from the inside. It's always an inside job. When we are sabotaging ourselves, it is always an inside job. And it then, so then once we recognize it's an inside job, the second step is then uncovering why is it doing it? because there's always a reason why we are sabotaging ourselves. It's this thing that is over-functioning that is trying to keep us safe. And so if you are unwilling to do any sort of internal investigation as to why you're holding yourself back, you're absolutely right. You're not going to get anywhere at all. Um, and oftentimes what happens is we do this process and we figure out what the subconscious belief is. The instant we drag that subconscious belief into the light of day, we're like, that's not true. And it immediately evaporates by simply naming what it is. Other times, we can be in a circumstance where I can say, I know that's not a dangerous thing, and still emotionally I'm responding as if it's a dangerous thing. Like, you know, someone can know a mouse is not dangerous, and they still jump on the table and scream like a five-year-old when they see one of them. Because just because intellectually they understand what is going on, if the subconscious believes the thing that is unsafe, fear always wins. Um, if I'm standing in the middle of the street and a car is driving at me, I don't go, ooh, 67 Mustangs. I love late 60s Mustangs. The fear wins and I get out of the way. And so typically when we're sabotaging ourselves, it's because an internal fear is winning over our intellectual understanding of what we need to be doing. So, you know, a lot of that, in my opinion, or at least my my thesis statement per se mm -hmm. on, on that was, all right, so your general personality style, and this is just takes from psychology, uh, the way you look at yourself is the way you project yourself. So, and we are, our personality styles are driven more by what we're, where we lack self-confidence 
than or where we where we're lacking confidence mm -hmm. than where we have it. And uh, I think a lot of people don't understand that. And then, you know, so you and certain personality styles, especially introverted ones, I think are are are, are, are inherently uh, subjected to the type of uh, situation you had the not speaking up, not being mm -hmm. assertive. It comes, it's a type B personality style. On the other hand, the type A's have the opposite problem. They get pushy and kind of just push people away, piss them off. Uh, and stuff like that. Now, the, you know, with that, um, it doesn't matter what personality star, what you're dealing with, the way I, the way I, I looked at it was, you know, we form these habits, like you mentioned, like jumping on a table when you see a mouse, you know, mm -hmm. the mouse isn't gonna, I'm, I weigh 250 pounds, man, that mouse right. isn't doing anything to me. Now that now I, I wouldn't jump on the table when I saw a mouse, but some people would now that's a habit. Yep. And so the question is, is how do you break it? And, and, and my take and balance me when it came to getting what you wanted, it had to first start by identifying the, the habits that you formed that have created that are leading to just continual low value activity, meaning like things that don't push you or move you towards a goal. And, you know, like you ask people, what do you want in life? Oh, I want to buy a house. Okay. That's not a singular action. So you got to pick like 40 different things you need to do and start chipping away at them one by one. If you look at your own act activities and the habits that you have formed, you, a lot of people, they, well, when people were going to offices more, they come home, they sit on the couch, they stay there till nine o'clock, then they go to bed. Now that block of time chopped up into little small segments has the ability to over time add up to a hell of a lot of achievement. And, you know, like you say, 15 minutes here, 15 minutes there. So how do you turn something? How do you turn a low value activity into a high value activity in order to get to the goal? Now, incrementally, that does add up and it does begin to change the habit cycle. How do you, how do, what's your take on doing that? How do I, if I am self-sabotaging and I recognize that, yeah. like, how do, how do I begin to change that today? Like, what's the, yeah. like a true actionable item? So before we form a habit, there is always a thought and having a persistent thought over time is the thing that creates that habit. So there's stimulus in my environment. I have a thought which creates a habit. And if the thought is something that is letting me know that taking that action is unsafe, that's how I create the habit to do the thing that feels safe. So for me, before I can start to change the habit, I need to understand the underlying thought or story that helped to create that habit initially before I can start to change it. Because I can't think my way out of a subconscious belief because the subconscious belief is the thing that starts to form that habit. We feel like there are these actions that happen, but there's a thought that always precedes them. And so when I'm wrestling with, okay, I want to change how I'm spending my evenings and moving it from something that is low value to high value. I need to investigate if I name a high value task and I'm not doing it, first to figure out why am I not doing that particular high value task? And typically, we don't take action because we don't know what we want. We don't know how to do it. It's painful to take action or it's painful to be successful. And so when I'm not taking an action, for me, I need to uncover which of those four or 
which like it could be one of those or all of those four that is preventing me from doing it. And all of those things could have a practical aspect to it or an emotional aspect to it. So to give you the example of, I want to go buy a new house. Well, some people simply don't understand the process of those 40 things that you mentioned that I need to figure out to go and do that. And if I'm feeling unconfident about, I don't know about you, I'm not a super, super huge fan of feeling incompetent at this point in my life. I've worked really hard on the things that I'm skilled at. And so I play to my strengths and I avoid the things that I'm weak at. Now, so it could be simply, I practically don't know how to buy a house or go about that process, so I don't take action. Or there could be an emotional component to that. I could have had a dream in the past, and I invested a lot of energy in that dream, and that dream didn't come true. Therefore, I'm going to prevent myself from emotionally buying into this dream because I don't want to deal with the devastation of not having that dream come true. Not knowing, so not knowing what to do, like, I don't want to know. Not knowing how to do it, again, could be practical, could be emotional. Not, it's painful to take action. So for lots of people who are entrepreneurs, I'm having to do things that I might not have done before. And a really base one that entrepreneurs bump into all the time is salespeople are sleazy. If I sell stuff, people are going to think I'm sleazy. You know, for a lot of us, when we think of selling, we think of the classic used car salesman in a plaid jacket. I don't want to be that guy. And so if it is, I'm afraid that people are going to perceive me in a certain way, then I'm not going to take the action that's going to move me forward. Or, you know, it could be painful to be successful. And that might seem odd, but I had a client of mine, we were doing weight loss stuff. And she said, I've heard how my friends talk about skinny people. And if I lose weight, they're going to say those horrible things about me too. And so if you are in a circumstance that you think your success is going to create a bunch of judgment from the people who are closest to you, of course, you're going to sabotage yourself in taking action. And so we need to figure out why we are, what, what is the underlying story behind not taking the action that we want to be taking? And sometimes, like you said, it's habitual. I'm used to doing this one thing instead of doing something else. But if we get clear about the action and we're still not doing it, then it's important for us to figure out why that is the case. Well, first off, for everyone listening, I want to invite you to become so successful that everybody resents it. Um, if, that, if that's the worst thing that occurs. That's but, right. You know, you know, Gene, you said you said there's a few things there that stood out. And, um, and you know, I want to I, I want to parlay off what you said. So I talk to successful people every day, all mm -hmm. day. And um, it's, and I've been successful. I've been a train wreck and I've been successful. I've I, like, it's a yo-yo that's, mm -hmm. that's called entrepreneurship. And, yep. um, one of the things that, you know, that you say, well, are people afraid of success? They're not necessarily afraid of success in the, the people that I talk, they're not, they're not afraid of success. They are often afraid of losing success, mm -hmm. but, but there is an isolating feeling that begins to develop because the more successful you are and the more you position yourself in a spot where people think that you have something that you can give them, mm -hmm. the more they start lining up to ask. Yeah, absolutely. For and, yeah. and it's, it's, it creates a, it creates a weird sense of illusion and misunderstanding about who, what people's intentions are. And yep. there are a lot, and, and that, that I've found that with a lot of successful or even wealthy people that I know, 
that that turns into a form of self-sabotage because they don't want to be, they're not used to being in a situation where they feel like they're being taken advantage of, or someone's trying to, no one enjoys that situation. So they begin to push themselves away. And, you know, I've, I've known to, well, I know some like pretty elite people and I've gotten to know them. And I'm like, you know, eventually you'd be like so many of us, they're like, you know what? I like hanging out with you uh, because I know you don't want anything from me. And I'm like, same, same. And so, you know, you, you get these little clusters of people and that's, that's kind of what's going on there. And, and I mean, there's a lot of merit to what you say. Now I do find it interesting that, well, one of the things, so about 10 years ago, I just officially decided that I didn't care. Like Mm -hmm. I, and I, and I trained myself to really understand and believe that. And when I say I didn't care, like, I don't care what haters want to say. I'm going to show, I I decided that I was going to show up every day that I was going to do the right things. And if people didn't like that, fuck them. Mm -hmm. Right. As once I started looking at who didn't like the success that I had found or what I was doing, I realized that they were almost all exclusively people that couldn't do it, hadn't done it, failed at it, or were wish they could. Yeah. And that said, it, it just that those weren't the high value people in my life. Now, one of the things that comes with doing anything different or trying to be successful or becoming successful is people are going to take shots at you, you mm-hmm. know, like, and we created this podcast. I say we, cause we have multiple hosts and while you're at it, go check out some of the shows by the other hosts that are on here. But I mean, I, I'm, I'm amazed we created this podcast out of a desire to help entrepreneurs by hearing other entrepreneur stories and leaving it very unfiltered. And it's amazing how many people we've pissed off trying to help do that. I mean, it's not a ton, but it's some, I'm sitting here going like, how, what, what have we done? But other people see it as competition Mm -hmm. or something like that. So, you know, like, and, and I think if you want to be successful as an entrepreneur, you have got to get past that fast. And then there's one, one more component, Jane, and I'll, I'll give this back to you is, is overcoming the the fear of failure is a is a challenge. Mm-hmm. And as an entrepreneur, you're going to fail a lot. And it, and I think if there's one thing that you got to get, you have to find a way to get over in a hurry. If you want to be a startup founder or an entrepreneur, you can't be afraid to fail. And 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 for me, I just own it. Like I'll shout, I failed. Mm-hmm. I fail a lot. You know, and like it's almost like a self affirmation. Um, what is your take on overcoming the failure component? So, you know, so what we want to do, the thing that, that you have done as you overcome the failure component is you have come to a new understanding of what the consequence of failure is. If I'm in a circumstance where, you know, I work with lots and lots of small business owners who are really passionate about the thing that they are doing. And they make an offer, they, they invest their heart and soul because they believe in this real mission of what's going on. And they offer it to someone and someone says, no, the story they hear is I am unvaluable and the work I'm doing is unvaluable. When in reality, what the person has said, this isn't a good fit for me right now. And so when the person who is taking it as a value judgment fears failure because they don't want to put themselves in a circumstance where emotionally they're feeling like their self-worth is being judged, you and I 
because you know I've, I've been self-employed since 97 and have failed all over the place spectacularly look at all of that stuff and go okay what was the lesson from that particular thing what did i get from that particular experiment how can i build on this thing that is going on and i'm not looking at it as a value judgment so it is a learning experience and an experiment so even though it didn't work out the experiment failed I did not fail and I am not a failure. And so what it sounds like you've been able to do is you've made that transition through force of will. Now, some people aren't able to change their relationship to failure through force of will. And that's some of the provocative tools that I use. We're able to go in and we're able to actually change that at a subconscious level. So the truth is there that this is not about me, but it's about me moving forward in a specific way. And so that's the reason why it's easier for successful entrepreneurs to get through it is because they're not taking it personally. It's just a step in the process. And you've been able to shift that. I like the science experiment because I, I I actually use that term. I'll mm -hmm. you know what 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 are you doing, Matt? Science. Yep. And yep. I'm, you I'm know that's and, and, yeah. Well, and that's it. And and I even refer to myself as a mad scientist on some days because I do have to fully immerse myself in the experiment yep, on absolutely. many days. And, you know, the thing is, it, 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 all experiments are ripe with failure. Uh, you don't find any good discoveries where they got it right on the first try. Well, and, and um, the other thing is, is to recognize yeah. the fact that the goal of an experiment is feedback. Like, Correct. if I have a pythos, I have hypotheses, I try it, it doesn't work out, it's not a failure, my hypothesis just isn't true. And I've gotten feedback so I can recalibrate what the thing I'm doing moving forward. I think it's, that's a great thing to talk about feedback and, mm -hmm. and man, it's, we even have an episode somewhere in our library about receive that what to, it's related to feedback because yeah. people in general suck at it. They like, mm -hmm. you know, and that's the thing is, is, uh, feedback constructively is the greatest thing that can occur for your business or for you as a person. Now you have to understand where to listen and what to listen for, mm -hmm. but you know, like when it comes to general feedback, so many people that they're hurt by it, you know, mm -hmm. and like, it's amazing how many people so people call me a lot or reach out and they say, oh, I want to run an idea by you. I want your feedback. And I used to just give it and then I realized like I would have I, I'm candid and honest, like I'm gonna, right. I think sometimes the best thing I can do for you is just tell you the truth and be like, hey, man, this can be really tough. Mm -hmm. Like this is going to be really hard to do. And then I realized that people were getting hurt by that. And so now I have to do a disclaimer. I'm like, if you want my advice, uh, there's a couple of rules. Yep. One, you can't get mad at me if I don't tell you what you, if I don't tell you what you want to hear, you can't get mad about it. And two, after I give you my feedback, I'm not interested in arguing with you as to whether or not you're right and I'm wrong. Yep. Yeah. And, and still, despite that, it's a challenge on many days. So how, how, do, how do we overcome like the feedback thing? It's not a personal attack, but so many people think it is. Well, and again, because when, when we're in a circumstance where we're invested, like when we invest in something, it feels personal. And it feels like you're talking about me because I've spent so much time thinking about this thing. And, and so we have, anytime we're doing something that is mission driven, it can be difficult for us to separate our idea, our idea from ourselves and people. And the other thing is people aren't used to getting feedback in a regular way. 
um, you know, I, I have similar circumstances. And when someone goes, can I get your feedback? And I'm like, do you want me to give you feedback or do you want me to pat you on the back and tell you you're doing a good job? Cause I'll do either of those I things. I can't do the second part. I have one type of feedback and it's just the straight truth people like, and that's the thing is cause I think it's dangerous to give the pat on the back feedback. Mm -hmm. Like if you actually ask for feedback input or yeah. advice, and I get, and I give you the opposite, I'm not doing mm -hmm. you any favors. Like that's yeah. not, uh, the worst thing I can do is if you bring me a business idea and you want my opinion on it. And I think it's freaking terrible. Right. And I'm like, this is a great idea. You're going to be, mm -hmm. you're going to do, this is it. It's going to change the world. And now you go put, go, you go all in on that. And like I said, that's dangerous. So I think on the, on the flip side, now let's flip this around. Cause you mentioned earlier, like you talk about that scenario of of being kind of like socially frozen mm -hmm. and afraid to ask and and stuff like that what was the one thing that really helped you get past that like what did you do to like do you shock and persuade yourself to like be no, different or no it's 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 actually it's actually this tapping protocol that, that basically what happens so it, it's it's a process called memory consolidation and memory consolidation happens in all sorts of modalities not just the one that i'm doing and basically what happens is in your subconscious mind there's a story that explains how the, the world works um later today i'm going to be renting a car and when i get into the rental car i'm not going to question which of the pedals is which is the gas and which is the brake i have a pattern i sit down it is information i don't have to think about and i step into it so we have all of these stories and all of these patterns about what is going on in the world, what is safe, what is unsafe. And we can't simply think our way out of changing that. Like the example of being afraid of a mouse. I can't simply think my way out of doing that. What we actually have to do is we have to open up the belief. And when we open the belief up and we use the word remember, when we're remembering something, we're putting it back together. It's each time you remember something, you're changing the memory. It's the reason why we have fish stories where each time you tell the story, the fish gets bigger and bigger and bigger. We're not lying. We're just remembering it fondly and we're rewriting the memory as we experience it. And so what we need to be able to do is this thing that says asking for help is dangerous. Making a sale is dangerous. Talking to someone in public is dangerous is we need to find that belief. We need to open it up and we actually need to rewrite it. And so for me, the way I got over social anxiety is I learned this tool to rewrite my subconscious mind. And I did the single most dangerous thing I could think of at that particular point in my life, which was online dating. And so what I would nice. do, and so what I would do, I lived in Baltimore at the time. And there were these two really awesome neighborhoods that were about a 20 minute walk away from me that had lots of restaurants, lots of bars. I eat and drink everything. And I'm like, Mount Vernon, pick a place. And literally what I would do is I would walk to that date and I would work the protocol the entire way because as I was getting closer to that thing that felt dangerous, I was engaging the subconscious mind and the belief that said it was dangerous. And then I was using this tool set to transform that belief. And in six weeks, my social anxiety was gone. And just, wow. just incrementally going in and unpacking the belief that was behind it and rewriting that belief so it was a safer thing for me to do. Like one of the words that you used earlier when you were talking about judgment is you're like, well, people are going to come at me. Well, there's no such thing as people. People is a collective noun that we use to describe a whole bunch of individuals. And if I think people are going to come after me, like they're going to try and take advantage of me once I have success, well, of course, I'm not going to want to have success. But if I'm able to parse that out and recognize the belief is inaccurate, like 
there are people who want to take advantage of me and there are people who still accept me for the way that I am. Navigating the world becomes much easier, but I need to go to the subconscious level and tweak that people are going to come after me. People are going to take advantage of me because if that's at my subconscious level, that's the way I'm going to respond. Once again, with me today, Jean Montrestelli. I want to give everyone a reminder that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a development team quickly and affordably. Now, one thing we won't judge, we, we will give you honest feedback at Fullscale. That is a very, very important part of any creative process. It's something you often need to hear, often something you don't want to hear. And, you know, with that, that's what we're talking about today is how to end the self-sabotage that might exist in and around your life. Now, all right. So you mentioned uh, changing your your mental programming in six weeks. Uh, one of the things I mentioned in, in Balance Me is that any type of change, A, it's difficult, but B, it requires checkup, tune-up, and maintenance. Mm -hmm. So how? It, what's your take? On, all right, so now we've made a change, but mm -hmm. much like much like my my diet and my fitness routine died with work from home, mm -hmm. which doesn't make any sense because my gym is at my home. Um, it had to do with the change in habit. How do you suggest that people maintain? And I, I don't know, how do we win? How do we survive? How do we keep these changes on the positive side? Yeah. So, so like you said, you know, the, the first thing that we need to do is we need to have a, a clear understanding of the things that we want to be doing. You know, I, I, I'm sure, you know, from your own experience, like it takes deliberate intent to create change and we need to have something that we're actively moving towards. So the first thing is to have a real clear understanding of the things that you want to be moving towards. The second is to have an understanding of what the, the outcome goal is, but also to understand what the process goal is. I'm, I'm sure your process goal for working out is working out X number of times a week for X number of minutes with a certain type of workout regimen. I might be doing strength one day, power another day, endurance another day, but you have some sort of process in mind. You know, when I'm working on my physical fitness, I'm not weighing myself every single day because that's not a useful data point. But instead, what's important for me is four times a week, I need to be working out in this particular way and over a period of time that's going to add up. So after I have an outcome goal, I need to have a process goal. And once my process goals start breaking down and I'm not doing those things persistently, then I start to do the investigation. Okay, why is this not happening? Is it because of a disruption of pattern? Because I'm now working in a different way or I'm working in the exact same way, but now there are a bunch of people at home when I was working from home during the day by myself and that's disrupted. So I have to be thinking about things in a different way. Or is it that... In the process of working towards the goal, I've bumped into another thing that might feel dangerous. Like it might feel okay for me to think about and start working on my podcast. It then becomes dangerous in order for me to share it. Or it's okay for me to share it. And all of a sudden I reach a certain level of success. And all of a sudden that starts to feel dangerous because there are a lot more eyes on me. It's not just the people I know. It's now total strangers. 
So I was doing this thing persistently. Now I'm not to investigate the what is the what is the fear behind the sabotaging belief because if there's something that is sabotaging you there's a hidden fear somewhere in the background and so then we unpack that fear and then deal with that fear to get ourselves back in doing the thing okay okay now i want to you know before we get to the end of this episode we need to talk a little bit about the services that you provide yeah. for entrepreneurs and other people. And I don't want to, I don't want to let that, that, that subject not go discussed. So yeah. Gene, what do you do with entrepreneurs and, and, and startups and small business owners? Let's talk well, a little I mean, bit about the services yeah. you provide. Get, be as shilly as you like. Absolutely. I mean, in, in, in a sentence, I help small business owners to eliminate self-sabotage. Um, basically what I do is I, I help people figure out kind of like, where are you standing? What is the big picture? What is the plan to get you from where you're standing to what the big picture is? And then once you're taking action to figure out why you're, why you're not taking the action that you know you need to be taking. I am sure everybody who is listening who is an entrepreneur knows what it's like to take that action and move it from your to-do list from day to day to day to day. Um, for me, on any given day, the three most valuable tasks in my to-do list are more valuable to my business than the rest of my to-do list combined. I have to do those other tasks, but as far as growth, as far as sales, as far as exposure, there's usually two or three things every single day that are super, super valuable. And we always do the most valuable task that is emotionally safe first. And the tasks that are most valuable to me are the ones that have stakes. Therefore, they're most likely to have some danger around them. So most of the people I work with at the beginning of what's going on is they might have 10 things on their to-do list. And every single day, they start with number four on the to-do list. Because those three most important things are the things that if they go wrong, they feel really catastrophic. So we end up being really busy without necessarily really surging forward in a successful way. And so then I just go in and help climb around in someone's subconscious mind. We can figure out what is the belief? What is the fear? What is the story from your past? What is the cultural belief that you've picked up that your subconscious mind is responding to as if it is true? And then we go in there, we transform it into a belief that's actually useful. You know, I've had some conversations like that with many people and uh, they usually know they mm -hmm. know what the issue is. That's right. Doing something about it's different. Uh, it's You were talking about to-do lists and it made me think of something I haven't thought of for a while. That uh, Eat your frog. Have you ever yep, heard absolutely. Eat Your Frog? Yeah, right. yeah, yeah, so yeah the old it. Brian Tracy book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Eat Your Frog means, uh, and I don't even think he invented that. I think I'm that sure he did. That's right. That was the title of but his book. Eat, yeah. eat, your, eat Your Frog. So if the first thing you had to do every day was eat a real live frog, uh, would sitting there and looking at it make that any easier? Right. And that's the whole concept there. So, you know, wake up every day and do the thing that you got to eat the frog. You got to do the thing mm -hmm. that you know you need to do the most, that you want to do the least and get it out of the way. And the, the, the premise of that is, is based around the fact that knowing that those, like you mentioned, those three things that didn't feel safe, they're lingering. They create a cloud and a haze for the rest of your ability to focus. And it's still getting there. They're, it's mentally in your way. 
Um, I'm a big believer in clearing this out of the way. So many people talk about having anxiety problems. Anxiety is, is often people are like, oh, I didn't sleep last night. Oh, do you have anxiety? Yeah. Well, what was bothering you? Oh, I was really worried about work and, and these things that I needed to do. I'm like, so what'd you do? I laid in bed and stared at the ceiling till five in the morning. Well, yeah. for me, because I, I have an unorthodox schedule and have for a long time, I'll, I've trained myself like if I'm in bed and I can't sleep for an hour because I, I don't sleep a lot. I'm just not uh, someone that sleeps a whole lot. So I'll get up and do it. I eat the frog. I, I'll eat a frog at midnight, you know, and, and a lot of that stuff, because until I get until you clear that off of your mm -hmm. list, the anxiety is going to persist and it's going to keep stirring around and bothering you. And, and and all of that is true. And and the caveat I want to give to that is sometimes a single act of the will is not enough to get us past the fear and anxiety we have about doing the difficult task. That if on a subconscious level, like, you know, 7,000 years ago, if we were pushed outside of our tribe, we died. Like that, 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 that is a literal truth. Like because of the way as a species we evolved, if I was, I needed the tribe to survive because the earth was such a dangerous place. Today, if there's a part of me that feels like if I take this particular task, I'm going to be judged and ostracized in some way, that very primitive fear that says you are going to die fires up. Now, you and I know it is not true that if I post a YouTube video that nobody likes, I'm going to die. Like that's not going to be the consequence. But the subconscious mind believes that's the case. And so I simply can't think my way out of that particular fear that knowing this thing is the most important task, knowing I'm afraid of it. Sometimes I'm like, great, I'm going to muscle up and I'm going to get my way through it. And sometimes that act of the will is not enough for us to do that. And we need to be doing something where we are recalibrating that fear to be proportionate before we can then muscle ourselves up to do something that is hard. Okay. All right. So we end episodes of Start a Puzzle with what we call the Founders Freestyle. Now, mm -hmm. before we get into that, and I'm going to give you a second to prepare, Gene, because you're going to okay. be first. Now, today's episode of Start a Puzzle was brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. While you're checking out Fullscale, come over to Instagram, check out our channel at Start a Puzzle Podcast, go to Facebook join the startup hustle chat. We can talk about today's episode. You can take part in the different polls we have, you can interact with the hosts. You can learn from other entrepreneurs doing a lot of great stuff. And since you're already on the internet, come on over and become a subscriber on our YouTube channel. We have lots of very interesting content, including today's episode, which will be published at the same day that the podcast comes out. Now, one of the things with that is we are currently live streaming this. We have just started uh, with this approach to our recording. So you can always find those live streams at Start a Puzzle Facebook page, on YouTube, and lots of other places. So come confirm that my face is, in fact, made for radio. I encourage that. Um, and there you go. You can sabotage me on that. I'm okay with that one. So uh, as promised, it's time for the the founders freestyle. So, what I, I'm going to kind of suggest one for you here. What as a for a startup founder, what's the best advice that you could give overall, Gene? Um. So I think for me, 
the most valuable thing is getting myself emotionally clear about all of the tasks that I have to do on my to-do list. Because if I am not afraid of anything that is on my to-do list, I will always do the most valuable thing first. And for me in my business, and I, I wish I had these old web, web stats because the, the, the company that was doing the stats at that time no longer exists. I can show you the, I could show you the point in history where I made getting the fear out of the way first thing. I can show you this point in history where my exposure just jumped over the course of a week and a half because I started putting myself out there in an authentic, clear way. And so for me, the most valuable thing to do is to figure out the reason why you are afraid to do the task that is most valuable for you and figure out a way to transform that fear. Because if the fear is gone, then taking action is something that you do persistently. Well said, sir. Well said. Uh, for those of you that want to learn more about Gene and what they do, there's a link in the show notes. You can go to tappingqna.com forward slash hustle. Uh, you can find Gene's material online. There's plenty of it. So I suggest that you do that. Now for my freestyle, um, you know, I, I think that everything we talked about is is for all of us are, is something that we realize there's something that we all have. There's something that we all hang on to. There's something we drag from day to day. Um, there were some very simple things in today's episode that I actually want to revisit. You just talk about a to-do list in general. Um, so many people just don't even do that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I mean, there's apps, there's anything, there's a ton of stuff, but something magical happens between the head and the hand. So write down the things that you want to accomplish, put yourself in a position where you look at it repeatedly. And then my advice with the to-do list, and I, you talk about mental training or conditioning, is I have just taught myself, like literally mentally conditioned myself to have a sense of like, it could be like, take out the trash. And I'm like, woo, did it. You know, yeah. and it, but that's, the, I mean, it's like the most basic thing, but you begin, you begin to believe it and understand it. And you, it drives you back to like create this desire to take things off the list. And uh, look, and, it, and it's a, it's a challenging thing to do on some days, but the more you look at something, train yourself to believe, I hate that thing being on that list. I need to do something about it. Did you have a comment? I, 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 I love that feeling so much that if I do something that is not on my to-do list, I will then add it to my to-do list and cross just it, so off. Take it off. Just, right. just so I can get the endorphin yeah. rush of going, I've ticked this thing yeah. off. And at the middle of the day when I'm dragging, I'm able to look down and go, oh, look at all of these things I've crossed off. Like my to-do list, I actually have a little dry erase board that sits right above my keyboard just to manage the, the five or six tasks that are next most important for me. I don't erase them. I cross them off because I love that feeling of yep. what you're doing, the celebrating, getting the task done and going great. At the point we are in the day, I can see 75% of my tasks are ta checked off right now, which gives me encouragement and momentum to keep going after that task. So I, I'm wholeheartedly <laughs> in your camp of celebrating even the small things. Yeah, get with, without a doubt. Yeah. And if you're a procrastinator, rewrite your list every day. Like oh, yeah. literally rewrite it every day because you'll get tired. You will literally rather than rewriting certain things, just do them. Yeah, get them done. Yeah, there's, weird, there's just weird little things and it starts to feel good. Uh, last comment is you, know, you really can create your own reality. Uh, it was probably 15 years ago. I, I uh, you know, my wife at the time thought that I needed a hobby. 
Mm -hmm. I tried a lot of different things and I just couldn't really find anything that I felt like I truly enjoyed. Uh, I came to the realization that I like making money. Mm -hmm. So I made making money my hobby and I have not worked a day since. And those that know me will verify that I do operate with that belief. Uh, mm -hmm. So, it, you know, knowing that making money is my hobby makes the approach. I'm not like, oh, I got to go to work. You know, yeah, my hobbies work on some days. But overall, it, it has, you know, you can you can get yourself into a spot where you believe all that. Now, speaking of that, go check out some stuff by Gene. Take care of the stuff that's holding you back. Go toe to toe with it. Fight it. Get ready to get punched in the face, maybe a whole bunch of times, but know that it's probably just in your own head. I'll see you next time, Gene. Thank you very much. Startup Hustles brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.